Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Hi, uh, this is Rick from Hawaii, and I normally use limit orders to buy stocks that I want to invest in based on prices I select using support levels, fundamental analysis, etc. What are your thoughts on writing put options? And provides unbiased answers. Good question, and I like that strategy to write put options. Invest Talk. Over 31 million downloads and counting. This is Morgan from Georgetown, Texas. Thank you for this show. I have a question about stock NVIDIA Corporation in the DA. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, May 26th, 6th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. I appreciate you all tuning in. As always, I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited you are here. And our job together is to uncover the right information, the right perspective, and the right discipline to help you become a better investor, a better saver, and just better overall with your money. And that's our goal each and every day here on Invest Talk. And in order to do that, we have to operate with our mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success. So I'm not going to bang any whistles. I'm not here to garner a ton of attention. I'm here to impart the facts as I see them and give you some perspective based on my 20 plus years of investment experience. Now, no matter what I'm talking about, whether it's a sector, a stock, a strategy, a style, whatever it is, my job is to give it to you without bias. And I'm Justin Klein, and of course, we encourage you to contact us with your finance and investment questions. As always, when you call, you get to shape the show to your liking. So please do that right now during our live stream program from 4 to 5 Pacific Time. Or if you're listening after hours, you can always leave a message and we will answer it on a future show. Either way, the number never changes. 888-989-CHART. So let's head into our first caller question now. Interested in ticker symbol IBRX. I own it. It spiked earlier this year. It had a merger with NK. It has patents on all kinds of medical, um, like cancer cells and research. I'm just not understanding why it's just like steady. It's just not moving anywhere. It's just going lateral. I think they're very diverse in what they do, and they're very unique. They have a specific NK cell, which is kind of confused why there's no upward trend. If you could take a look at it, I appreciate it. I'll be listening on the podcast. All right, this is Immunity IO. It's a late-stage clinical immunotherapy company uh, developing next-generation therapies that drive immuno- immunological uh, mechanisms for defeating cancers and infectious diseases. So it looks like they have... Uh, natural killer cells, like she said, 
and uh, other probably exciting technologies. I'm not familiar with it um, in particular, but what I can say is that this is the type of name that isn't going to work in this environment when the cost of capital go, goes up and this is a company who loses money and they continue to lose more and more money each and every year and that's uh, that's really the issue here is that this is a loss-making business they've never made money let's look at their EBITDA it's always been negative I'm trying to look at the net income here there we go that's the figure I'm looking for and yeah it's it's negative continues to be negative they're gonna lose a 76 cents this year 57 cents next year pretty no much no revenue remember these are all story stocks um, and that whole merger thing and everything around uh, the GameStop Gamma Squeeze I think this they were caught up in that as well and so you're caught up in a story stock and you're falling in love with that story when the stock has gone nowhere uh, for the past couple of months and it's down 64% from its 52-week high back in February. So it's near support, but it's a story stock, and it's worth $6.3 billion on a company that doesn't have any revenue. So that's the issue here. Um, if you believe in the technology, then this would be maybe a long-term hold, but you're going to have to deal with drastic, drastic volatility in the meantime and take the risk that it will never come to fruition, that it will never actually hit market. And they never pass the clinical trial stage. And the long and short of it is most biotechs never get past that. Thanks for the call. Now my focus point today is based on this story. There is a new 2021 list of Disruptor 50 companies, and we're gonna go over a few of those and this is from CNBC and I want to touch on a few of them and look at the themes not the companies in general a lot of them are, are private but what does it say about the themes of the type of companies that do well or are doing well in this environment and disrupting various industries in certain ways so we're gonna go over that also I want to touch on commodities commodities prices are going higher and what's interesting is that Miners are not throwing a bunch of cash at new projects. They're actually throwing a lot of more, a lot of new cash at shareholders, which I think is a nice change of tune. And I'll tell you why. And then the Fed. The Fed is starting to hint at some level of policy change, and what that might mean for markets here in the uh, the medium term, as they start to jawbone the market to a certain expectation of what policy will be three, six, nine months down the line. Now, that's what I have on the docket, but I want to hear from you, obviously, 800-557-54, I'm sorry, that's our office number, 888-99-CHART is the number you get through to ask your question. Now, let's jump on the charts here, and the S&P was up about eight points, two-tenths of one percent very very modest up day in the markets overall small caps did fantastic the Nasdaq was up 80 points a little over half a percent and the Russell that was up 43 points 
almost 2%. So pretty strong move in the rough Russell, which has been a relative lagger. That's one day. One day doesn't really tell you a whole lot, uh, but definitely interesting little shift there. Uh, the dollar was a bit stronger, and that pushed uh, the price of commodities down just a touch. Gold and silver were down uh, a touch as well. GDX was only down six cents, but you know, modest down day there. So, uh, really, I still expect a lot of chop for the next month or so, probably through the July 4th holiday, and then the market will start to look towards the Jackson Hole meeting at the end of August, and that is where oftentimes policy shifts from the Fed and other central banks are unveiled. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of what we're expecting for the summer. Now we're heading into a quick one minute break. Emilio's in San Francisco. Hang on, you'll be up next. And now my phone lines are open at 888-99-CHART. The market is constantly changing and you've got to be ready to react. You'll have questions. Steve and Justin have answers. So listen live or download the free Invest Talk podcasts. The Invest Talk Anytime listener line never closes. 888 99Chart. Let's head up to San Francisco and talk with Emilios once again. Looking at Rio Tinto. How are you doing, Emilios? So you own it? How or are you? To buy it? Um, I'm looking to buy it. I was looking for a good entry point, but I was. I know you said to hold off because uh, copper will consolidate. Uh, well, Rio is definitely not a pure copper play. Pretty diversified there. Uh, it's actually biggest contribution to its revenue is iron ore, uh, but copper is is up there and it's uh it's waiting. So uh, it has pulled back from 52 week high right around 95 and change. Now we're at 84 and change today and into the 50 and the 100 day moving average, which is good support. So if you're looking for at least a short term support level, this definitely would be a pretty solid one. Okay. That's, uh, yeah, I wanted, to, you know, for the long term, but that's, this is a good right. entry point. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Emilius. Thanks for the call. This is Invest Talk. Now let's mix things up a bit and go back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a call that came in earlier from Hawaii. Hi, uh, this is Rick from Hawaii, and I normally use limit orders to buy stocks that I want to invest in based on prices I select using support levels, fundamental analysis, etc. What are your thoughts on writing put options with a strike price similar to the limit price to own the stock? Can you recommend a strategy to select the premium and the length of the option? Is a longer time frame normally better, for example, two years? And anything you can offer on that, I appreciate Great show, and appreciate that, too. Thanks. Bye. Good question, and I like that strategy to write put options. And for everyone out there, what that means is, let's say a stock is at $100 a share. And you say, you know, it's a bit expensive here, but at 90 I would love to buy it. Well, you can get a premium. Someone will pay you a premium for the right to sell that stock to you for $90 in the future. What they're doing is hedging. Uh, and what you're doing is basically being opportunistic. So let's say they pay you 
a couple of dollars per share for the right for that uh, that hedge. Well, if you get executed, the stock goes down. If you ex that gets executed for you, you have to pay ninety dollars. You keep that too. So effectively, you bought it for eighty-eight dollars. Okay, and let's say the stock stays around $100 or goes higher or just above 90 uh, upon expiration. And I'll talk about expiration here in a second. But you get to keep that $2 no matter what. So even if it didn't get down to your price, you'll still get to keep that $2. Okay. So that's writing what in the industry called cash secured puts. You need to have that cash in your bank account in case it does get put to you at $90. You need to be able to have the cash to buy it. You don't want to go on margin or anything like that. So managing around that is definitely important. Now time horizon, if you're selling options, the best time horizon usually is within that 90 day window of expiration. And much better within 60 and ideally 30 days. Why is that? It's because as you get closer and closer to that expiration date, the time value of that option starts to decay. And it decays faster the closer you get to expiration. And it starts to really ramp up in those last 90, 60, and especially 30 days. So if you're selling cash secured puts, I think it's smart to stay in that 30 to 60 day window. Now we do kind of, the, I don't want to say the opposite, but what we do is we, we have a covered call strategy and we sell call options for the right to buy it from, uh, from us at a higher price at a later date. And we try to roll that within 30 to 60 days, capture that, uh, that option decay. So when you're selling options, once again, keep it relatively short term because guess what? It can expire within 60, 90 days maybe then you resell those put options and get even more premium. Hope that helped. Now let's go to John in Santa Cruz looking at PPL. Yes, hi Justin. Um, I wanted to ask about PPL, um, if it's a secure long-term dividend payer or if it's, if it's not. Okay, well PPL is a utility, a regulated utility in Pennsylvania, they they deliver. Let's see, uh, is it just electricity? Yeah, electricity mainly, and it's a solid utility. I can't say anything really bad about it. Um, the dividend is safe. The remember, regulated util utilities have a mandate uh, to have a certain level of profit, and so that's why. Their volatility is lower, that dividend is consistent, they can have a higher ba uh, leverage on their balance sheet, etc. Uh, it's not an exciting name, but that 5.7% dividend is pretty solid, and uh, I really don't mind it. So, um, solid utility, not my favorite in the space, but solid. Thanks for the call, John. You listen to Invest Talk, I'm Justin Klein. With all the changes we see happening, it's important to remember that. During these times, your task of building financial freedom must never end. And that's why we're here to help you at 888-99-CHART. Look at the calendar. We're already moving through the second quarter. The market has been interesting. And serious investors need to bring their best game. Invest Talk is here to help. The phone lines are open. 888-99-CHART. And when you download the free InvestTalk podcasts, 
Don't forget to rate and review. Let's head over to Cincinnati and talk with Mark looking at CUBI Customer Bank Corp. This uh, is a regional bank, it looks like. Do you own it or looking to buy it? Um, I own it. I have a small position in it. Um, and I was looking to uh, get a bigger position um, than maybe the next pullback. I was just trying to get your guys' opinion on it. Um, the financials look good, but I was a little bit concerned about the debt. Um, I was just trying to get your guys' opinion. Well, you don't want to be concerned about debt for a bank. That's their job. Their job is to expand their assets and thus their liabilities. So actually, debt on a bank is a good thing. There's leverage there. That's how banks operate, right? So don't worry about the debt. What you need to worry about is the quality of their loans that they have on their, their balance sheet. And with so much stimulus, PPP loans and, and, and um, government transfer payments of all different kinds, balance sheets on the corporate and the personal side have repaired to in a dramatic fashion. And that's helped a lot of banks. And you see that with 2019 or 2020, they made $4.10, $6.93 expected this year, but down to $5.20 next year. But it's only a $30, $36 stock. So even if you go based on forward earnings, it's still pretty cheap. You're talking about a seven or eight times forward earnings. And revenue grew 32% year over year. I like the regional banks. I like these smaller banks. They're more flexible. They don't need to have huge loans. When you're a big company like JP Morgan and Bank of America, they need very large loans. And so uh, their margins are, are a lot smaller. They're not going to deal with all these, uh, these little small uh, and medium-sized businesses. And so I, I kind of like this. Nothing wrong with it technically, it's just in, a, in an uptrend, uh, and I would be buying it on pullbacks. I think this is a, a solid company, solid business. Return on equity, over the last decade, has been in the mid-15s, or mid-teens, excuse me, and that's very good for a bank. So I like this name. I think it's solid and decent value. I would be buying on pullbacks. Now, my focus point today is based on this story. There is a new 2021 list of Disruptor 50 companies, and I'm going to go over a few of these now. now. This is from CNBC, and very interesting list. Most of these companies are private. Now, number one on the list is Robinhood, and this is interesting because we all... I'm sure a lot of you have Robinhood accounts. I've urged a lot of people to move away from them because of the free... Uh, free trading or, or lack of customer service and free trading elsewhere, excuse me. But what it taught us is how powerful data can be. And that's really what Robinhood is selling is data, order flow. And a reminder that if you're not paying for the service, you are the product, right? If you're not paying for a product, or service, you are the product. Remember that. Number three in this list is Discord. And Discord is interesting because it's kind of an internet chat room. And think of Slack in a way where you have your own kind of group chat room and you can call people up and it's a new way to communicate uh, in a more 
targeted social way. And I think that is going to be a big trend as well, is not these big, giant platforms like a Facebook, but more targeted platforms where you can kind of choose who you're speaking to. Um, you're, you're not pressured to be part of a group, you know, a particular uh, a group, right? If, you, if you're on Facebook, for example, someone friends you that you know, you're kind of pressured to accept it even though maybe you don't really care to see their posts very often. But Discord, you can kind of keep your chat room very niche. And I think that's going to be a big trend. A few others on this. Chime, which is online banking. You can get deposited into your bank account, your, your, check, your check early each week. Uh, you can have overdrafts without overdraft fees. A lot of ways that banking is going to be reimagined, I think, for the next generation. Taito Care was an interesting one. That is a product you put in your home to assist doctors in medical checkups. And it has different features, etc., that doctors can use to help assess your situation. So that goes to more virtual experiences. And in many ways, aided by hardware in your home. And I think that's going to be a big trend as well. Some other ones, Plaid, that's number 39 in this list. That helps drive the technology behind Venmo, Robinhood, Coinbase. So really software that can be the vital engine for a lot of other types of services, that's going to be very big as well. And then number 45 on this list is Footprint. And they, what they do is they make biodegradable, uh, biodegradable consumables like paper plates, silverware, etc. So getting away from plastic and that green revolution, I think that will bring a lot of big, big companies here over the next decade. And there's a lot of opportunity in that space as well. Now, in the next invest talk, the story behind this headline weekly mortgage rate mortgage demand falls as interest rates move higher i'll cover that tomorrow but for now i'm ready to take your call at 888-99-CHART let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language okay why i mean how would it come in handy and where would you want to use it could it be that you have an upcoming international trip or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so... Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. 
For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. It's been another Investor Wednesday, and we've all seen the market move up, down, and all around. It's called volatility, and you'll have investment and finance questions for Steve and Justin. They welcome your calls now. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Let's go talk to Joe in the Bay Area, looking at CME Group. You own it or looking to buy it? Hey, Justin. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I'm looking to diversify my portfolio a little bit, and I've been looking at the capital market space. Curious to uh, hear your insight. I really respect it. And um, with the increase of trading volume and inflation and things like that, it seems like this it could be a uh, you know an opportunity. And I was curious what your thoughts are on uh, CME Group and ICE as well. Okay. Well. CME Group, it is uh, one of the largest exchanges in the world and mainly focused on futures and derivatives such as options uh, and futures on different types of commodities, foreign currencies. And we are certainly in a time where there's more... There's more attention to the commodity space, uh, the foreign currency space, especially as the dollar continues to decline. And this is a very consistent business. They earn fees with commodity and future trading. And it's been growing steadily over time, although over the past year or so, been kind of uh, taken, uh, it's been backtracking a bit, let's just say that. They made $6.82 in 2018, 
supposed to only make $6.76 this year. So modest decline in earnings over the last few years, but expected to go to $7.39 next year. Modest dividend, 1.8% or so. Return on equity, not fantastic. High single digits. So that's my biggest worry is that there's not this really strong profitability, but it's consistent. And I like that. I like consistency. I'll say the chart looks okay. It's you know pulled back in the fall of last year. It's been on a rally. Starting to lose a bit of steam here with the overall market. Uh, it's not overvalued or undervalued. I would say it's uh, it's about fair value right now. So a long-term perspective, I like it. Um, not, not a screaming buy, but solid company. And if you're looking to own it, it's not a bad place for that. Thanks for the call. 88899 chart, 88992 This is Invest Talk, and here comes another caller question that came in earlier on our 24 7 voice bank at 88899 chart. Hi, this is Morgan from Georgetown, Texas. Thank you for this show. I have a question about stock NVIDIA Corporation, NVDA. They announced they're going to do a four to one split. What do you see for the future of this company? Thank you. All right, NVIDIA, this is a darling, and it certainly has had a massive run, even from the March lows of around 100 and, what was it? Sorry, not 100, is that 52-week? I'm trying to pull up the uh, the weekly chart here. There we go. I always get a 52-week high or low, but now that we're past, well past the March lows from last year, the 52-week high and low looks a lot different. Okay, so that was around $128 a share. Now we're at $628. $628. Think about that. Uh, so uh, it's just expensive, really. Even forward earnings of $15 a share, you're talking about uh, 45 times earnings? Right now at 6:28, so I'm I'm just going to pass on on this name. Uh, I just don't like the semiconductor space at this moment, uh, and there's much better values out there. So I'm going to pass. Now let's make it three in a row. Our next question is different. It's not about stock picking. It offers an educational opportunity. So let's play it now. Yeah, this is Randall from Tucson, Arizona. I have a question about investing when. I kind of know what I'm doing, but not really. I was thinking I should probably put maybe 80% of my money I have to invest in low expense ratio ETFs, such as the Schwab ones, SCHD, SCHM, SCHV, SCHX, and SCHG. Kind of uh, diversify while getting it managed for me, and then maybe uh, doing 20% on these sort of like speculative ideas I get myself. I was wondering if that's uh, a good idea. I have about uh, 50,000 to play with in the market. Thanks. I, I kind of like this idea because you are still getting exposure to the market. You're spreading your risk out. You have multiple types of ETFs there. I, I didn't look up every single one of those, uh, but you're you're getting 
broad diversification. You can kind of track each one, which one's performing better based on certain reasons, and that's what you should study is is what it will look like uh, based on certain uh, economic backdrop, and that will help inform you of why certain funds are doing better than others, and that would kind of I don't want to say safeguard, but put it in more uh, assured hands. Let's say that. And then that 20% you can learn with. And this is why I always say it's good to put a small amount of money. That's kind of what you're doing here. You're saying you have 50 grand, say 10,000 of that will be into smaller. I wouldn't say speculative names. I would not just do speculative names. You can, you can certainly invest in a few of those. Um, but you will learn better by investing in a wide swath of companies. Large cap, small cap, mid cap companies that pay consistent dividends that are maybe on the value side, spread it across different sectors, uh, and you'll learn better that way by focusing on all types of companies across different sectors and industries. If you're just going speculative, you're going to be probably focusing on technology and biotech, uh, etc. And you're not going to learn much about the rest of the market. And as you've seen over the past couple of years, at different times, different sectors of the market tend to do well and you need to have expertise around all parts of the market. So I hope that helped. Now 2021 sure feels like it's moving fast, right? A lot, a lot faster than last year, I'll tell you that. Well, Monday is Memorial Day and that means summer is right around the corner. And so this means you're going to be off on vacation uh, and you may take your eye off the ball. Or maybe you're just feeling like uh, you're not taking advantage enough of the good year that we've had so far. Well, if you are looking for some guidance, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve at our KPP Financial Offices in Irvine, California, where we operate with the same mission statement that we do here, which is independent thinking and shared success, which means we implement unbiased guidance, both on and off air, and we practice parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. So I encourage you to take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone, Skype, or go to meetings, and send us a message through investtalk.com. No obligation. We would love to help you in any way. Now, next up, we have a question from a listener in New Hampshire, which we will play in one minute. So get 888 chart there is good news for loyal Invest Talk listeners, their friends, and families. Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast. Been listening for a while and have got some great advice. This free podcast is available for download anytime. Typically, each day and night, the Invest Talk call center receives more voicemail questions than Steve and Justin can fit into a live show format. Hi, guys. Big fan of the show. So, in the bonus program, Caller questions will be played back from our voice bank and answered with brief, unbiased, and helpful responses. I think for like the next 10 years, commodities are going to be doing very well. It's in the money. You probably just want to sell it. It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. Absolutely love your show. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour. 
Hey, Steve or Justin, this is Jesse in New Hampshire. I was looking at Polaris Industries PLI, little pullback currently the last couple days, and it's getting a little close to what I had in mind for a buy point. So I wanted to see what you guys thought of them and where a buy point might be for you guys if you wanted to pick them up. Look forward to uh, hearing it on the podcast. Take care. Thanks. All right, this is Polaris Incorporated. This is a company that makes recreational vehicles, mainly off-road vehicles, all-terrain, uh, side-by-sides, all different types. Uh, I think they even make uh, boats as well. And so this is one of the largest, uh, probably the largest in the recreational space. $8 billion market cap. Revenue grew year-over-year year 39%. Now, that's from tough comps of uh, the first quarter of last year, which clearly was not a time where uh, a lot of people were buying recreational vehicles, especially late in the first quarter. So it's expected to have those solid comps. 2020, though, they made $7.79 a share. Expected $9.25 a share this year. $10.25 next year. Yields about 2%. Pulled back to its 100-day moving average, so I will say it's at support. I'll give you that. The bigger question is, is it cheap? And I'm going to say that it's pretty cheap. Trailing 12 months, $934 million in free cash flow. And return equity, about 25%. And averaged uh, much higher than that over the past decade. So very, very good company. Uh, been buying back shares. The dividend looks uh, pretty solid and sustainable. So I'm going to give this a thumbs up in, in my book. Now, with the caveat that a lot of those figures of that growth are going to moderate in the back half of the year, not only because people will be going out and spending more money on services as opposed to things that's going to change over the past uh from the past year where people can go out and spend money on services either it wasn't available uh or uh, and then they just had more money to spend on products so um i'm gonna be i'm gonna i like this name but with a cab that that growth is going to slow and i would expect more volatility in the back half 88899 chart, 88992 Now let's talk a little about commodities, and commodities have been on a big, big run. But what's interesting about this cycle, and it makes uh, me think that there's still a lot of room to run in the commodity space, is that miners are not stepping up and throwing cash into new projects. So things like cobalt, copper, lithium, all that go into green technologies, well, those prices have gone up dramatically. Copper, for example, that has doubled over the past 12 months to over $10,000 per metric ton. But miners have been reluctant to take that extra cash and put it into new mines. Instead, they're paying higher dividends. And this is colored by the last commodity boom and what happened in 2006, 7, 8 time frame. Remember then, commodities were going crazy. A lot of that had to do with home building, dramatic home building. You're seeing that now. And a lot of the CEOs and executives in the space plowed the, that extra cash into supply, building new supply for growth. 
And historically, most of those those capital allocations were poor. And especially when you create a environment of oversupply and nothing solves higher prices faster than oversupply. And so they've learned that lesson and instead of spending a bunch of money on new mines, they're paying bigger dividends. Now spending across the entire industry isn't keeping pace with demand. Capital spending is set to fall 6% among the major diversified mining companies and 10% among copper miners this year. Even though total demand for copper is forecasted to increase 40% by 2030. And green demand jumping 900%. And no material new mines have been approved over the last year even though Prices have gone up so much. So capital expenditures, including money spent on current and future production, rose 30% last year among 45 of the world's largest miners. But dividends nearly doubled to 66%. So capital spending only up 30, dividends doubled. And capital spending was a third lower than it was back in 2012 at the end of the last commodity bull run. So investors and managers of these companies are cautious because they're colored by the last cycle. Remember, this is human psychology. People are colored by their recent experiences. And the recent experience is, hey, putting more money into production is fraught with challenges and dangers of lower prices. So these commodity prices may stay elevated for many, many years to come. And many of these mines take 10 to 15 years to develop anyway. So even if they were to put money to work, that supply won't come on for a while. So that's why I do think there's a lot more room to run in the commodity space. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here, to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And we're, our, our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888-99-CHART. Got a question for Steve or Justin? I'm calling to ask your opinion on an ETF called XLI. And the question is, during the market downturn, do dividends stay fairly steady? And I've got a question about warrant shares. I think that's the right term. A warrant is a right to buy shares of stocks at a certain price. What's your question? Now is a good time to call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Hello, Steve and Justin. This is Andy from Long Island. And just your thoughts on Innovator. Offered ETFs, uh, an example would be BMAY, ticker symbol. There are many, though. As to where they fit into portfolios, are they appropriate for someone approaching retirement, in retirement, whatever. Thank you. 
Uh, this is the Innovator S&P 500 Buffer ETF. It sounds like they have a few of these type of, of ETFs. And what this is, it's basically exposure to the S&P 500, and they're using options to buffer against the first 9% of loss over the outcome period, whatever outcome period that is. I'm not sure what that means example exactly. But that's what they're doing. They're just hedging you for up to 9% in the downside. Uh, and, but there's a cap. Uh, starting cap looks like it's 13.6%. So if whatever period that is, this sounds a lot like an annuity wrapped in a mutual fund. And the fees, just like in annuities, are pretty high, 0.79% for basically exposure to the S&P. And you have a cap and you have a floor. So I don't see anything interesting or innovative. I call it innovator. Uh, it's just taking an annuity and putting it in an ETF form and charging high fees for it. Not, not exciting for me. So I would definitely pass on this. Uh, you, if you want to hedge on the downside, you can buy your own puts. And it's going to cost you a lot less, and uh, you can just buy the SPY if you want exposure to the S&P. Thanks for the call. Now, lastly, I want to touch on the Fed because, as we know, the Fed in today's world is kind of holding things together and allowing governments to operate in the way they are, at least in the short term. Now, what that means long term, that's another question. And whether this is good policy is not, I'm not here for that. It doesn't matter. What matters is what is happening, and what's going to happen uh, in the short to medium term. Now, Vice Chairman Richard Clarita, who is the central bank's number two officer behind Jerome Powell, is joining a number of Fed officials who are signaling a shift in Fed's guidance around its policy. Now, the next Fed meeting is about three weeks away, starting on June 15th, announcement on June 16th. And they're going to discuss changing policy in some way, shape, or form. Now, since last June, the Fed has been buying $80 billion in treasuries and $40 billion of mortgage-backed securities per month. They're already hinting at maybe shifting that. Same total amount, but less or none on the mortgage-backed security side and more on the treasury side. And this makes a lot of sense. Housing prices are going crazy. Mortgage rates are still around 3%. Do you really need them at 3%? Will 3.5% be fine? Typically, you have mortgage rates around 200 basis points above the 10-year treasury. Right now, it's about 150 basis points because of so much Fed support for the mortgage market. So I expect them to make that shift. That'll be the first. They've already st started doing, doing some light operation twist, meaning they're selling some assets on the short end and buying longer term. That's one of the reasons why you've seen the treasury rate drop a bit over the past couple of weeks. Now, the Fed said after its April 28th meeting that the economy needed to make substantial further progress, quote, substantial further progress toward its goals of maximum employment and 2% average inflation before it changes its policy. Well, since then, we've had surging, uh, surging CPI in April and bottlenecks in the economy. And that's raised the probability of Fed changing their support.
in some way, shape, or form. Now what Clarita said is that, quote, obviously the CPI number that we got recently was very unpleasant, was a very unpleasant surprise. I continue to believe as my baseline case that this will prove to be largely transitory, but let me also emphasize that we're going to be looking at the data very closely in coming months. So they're looking, in my mind, to shift policy slightly, not dramatically, but slightly, and it'll be very interesting to see how the market reacts to that because the market likes to shift and move based on these Fed job voting. And we'll see how that goes. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which they can find at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, as well as investtalk.com. Be sure to rate and review. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461.